0: The power of their data wasabi, another Boston based championship team.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Minor League Baseball podcast, the show before the show, episode 183. And as you can probably guess, because I am the one introducing the show this week, uh, hello, my name is Sam Dykstra of MILB.com. We're doing things a little bit differently this week. Tyler is off on vacation, he is in the nation of Columbia. Uh, he called a big tournament down there, spending a couple extra days exploring the Colombian landscape. Uh, and you know, for anybody who knows Tyler and how hard he works and calling those games, and, and as well as working for our site and a bunch of other entities, uh, it, it is a vacation well-deserved. So we're gonna let Tyler take some time off. Uh, we're gonna make it a little bit of a bridged episode this week. We do have an interview uh, with Arizona Fall League star and uh, number two Royals prospect, Khalil Lee, who will be participating this weekend in the Fall Stars game. So check that out here in a couple minutes. Uh, we also have Ben Hill is back uh, after you know he took the break last week with us. Tyler was in Columbia. I was in Scotland. I'll, I'll save my uh, thoughts on that for, for another venue. But if you ever get a chance to travel the Scottish Highlands, I highly recommend it. Um, so a couple other just house cleaning uh things to take care of here real quick quick uh if you want to go to the milb.com site uh since we you know went on our one week break uh all the milby award winners have been announced except for one the the one that is yet to be announced is best team that's still to come uh so check back on the site to see which club won that for both the staff pick and the fans pick but i'll just run through the rest of the winners here real fast Uh, and please go to the site find these features that we all wrote uh, for these categories. We all did big time features on the staff winners. We also had smaller write-ups on the fan winners. Um, There's no real award here. We don't hand anything out, but uh, we kind of treat them otherwise equally in the way we share things and the way we notate that. So uh, check out these features to find out how these guys won their awards, uh, what went into their big 2018 seasons, uh, and lots more. So here are the winners for, for this year so far. Uh, top offensive player, no surprise. The staff pick for that was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, the fans went with Taylor Ward uh, for stop, or top starting pitcher. Excuse me. Uh, the staff pick was Chris Paddock of the San Diego Padres. The fans went with Michael King of the New York Yankees. Top relief pitcher Colin Poche uh, was a staff pick. Matt Pierpont was the fans' selection in that one. Breakout Prospect, which is the story I wrote. Uh, And again, I implore you to to read that. Uh, Our staff pick was Minnesota Twins outfielder, Alex Kiriloff. Uh, The fan's choice was Peter Alonzo. For best farm system, the staff pick was the Tampa Bay Rays. The fans went with the Atlanta Braves, and just as a brief aside on this, because we're getting filled with a lot of mentions on this, it's what farm system had the best year. It's not which one we're looking forward to and predicting will have, you know, the best major league talent going forward. Uh, it's just what team had the best year. So, you know, the Rays, we, the staff pick again, read the feature on that. The the Rays as a system had a winning percentage above 600. Uh, that was a big reason why we chose them. They also had two. Uh, league champions, which is a big reason again for that. Uh, the Braves, the fans went with them and obviously a strong year. They had a lot of guys make the major leagues, help that NL East team uh, win its division. So uh, good arguments on both sides just for people who are adding us and, and saying like obviously this system is stronger. That's not what we're arguing. It's just which system had the best 2018. Uh, so moving right along here to Top promo, which you'll hear Ben talk about here in a little bit, uh, was the Dude Perfect promo in Frisco. Uh, Fans vote uh, won. That was only fans vote. We didn't have a staff vote on that because, again, Ben designed the category. We left that completely to you guys. Uh, Top photo uh, was an Elvis Andrews ice bath. That also happened uh, with the Frisco Rough Riders. Again, that was fan vote only. Uh, Top defensive play presented by Terminix. Uh, was a Cole Peterson catch in left field for West Michigan. It's really stellar. You should really check this out. Check out these next three video categories, actually. Kelsey Hennigan wrote that up for the site. Uh, but he, Cole Peterson was coming from the infield, sprinting directly behind him, made the catch over his shoulder really cool. Uh, top home run, Corey Ray walk-off left the entire stadium uh, for Biloxi. That was neat. Best blooper, Wisconsin wins on a three-run strikeout. Again, not going to fully explain it. You'll want to read the story on that one. Uh, Best performance, best individual performance, that is, uh, goes to Spencer Howard for his no-hitter in the South Atlantic League playoffs for Class A Lakewood. That one won both the staff and fans pick, and I think that it's the only one so far in which everybody is in agreement and for good reason. Uh, Game of the year. The staff pick for that one was when when Kevin Newman and Jacob Stallings hit for the buy cycle uh, for AAA Indianapolis. The fans went with a crazy comeback that Lakewood had also in the playoffs. Um, So again, check out the story on that. We still have best team to come. Uh, That'll be up probably by the time most of you guys are listening to this, but I don't want to give anything away just yet. Uh, So that's what we've got there. Other things to check out on the site, uh, like I mentioned, Khalil Lee will be participating in the... Fall Stars game this Saturday in surprise. Uh, We have the full rosters there. It's a lot of the the characters you've come to know and love. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be there, Forrest Whitley will be there. I think there are 13 top 100 prospects in in total. Uh, Check the site for those full rosters. Um, We also have links to the roster pages in case any changes happen between now and then. Uh, Those are updated very quickly. So check out those as well. Um, That's all I'm gonna say here at, at, at the front, we're going to have the interview right now with Khalil Lee. Then we'll have Ben. And we're actually going to wrap with Ben, uh, which is something I don't think we've ever done before. Um, but just uh, a couple other uh, uh, house cleaning things. Just follow me on Twitter. I am at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. Uh, Tyler is at Tyler mon, And Ben is at Ben's Biz, in case you didn't know that. Feel free to email us. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a full podcast. We love questions. Uh, from you guys that you want us to answer, we'll probably be doing in the next couple weeks our Arizona Fall League draft uh, between me and Tyler, which is always fun. We make our own Arizona fall League lineups uh, going back and forth. I always enjoy that a lot. Um, but you know it, it's the off season now. We're, we're looking we want to talk about the things you guys want us to talk about. Uh, so email us at podcast. milb.com. Uh, fill up our mentions with any questions you have. We'll try to get to them next week and beyond. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for listening, and now we'll get into the actual meat of the podcast here with number two Royals prospect, Khalil Lee. Joining us this week on the minor league baseball podcast, the show before the show, is number two Royals prospect and current Arizona fall leaguer, Khalil Lee. Uh, Khalil, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for having
1: me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the funny things about watching the AFL yesterday, following the AFL, we're talking here on Thursday, November 1st, but yesterday, obviously being Halloween, saw a bunch of uh, AFL teams hitting, doing BP in kind of costumes. Uh, Did you guys get a chance to do this? And if so, what were you wearing out there?
2: Uh, No, we did not get a chance to hit in our costumes. Yeah, I know. It was – we had a late day yesterday. We had DP in the cage, but um, a lot of our guys wore their costumes to the field. So uh, that was that was pretty fun to see everybody wearing their costumes to the field. I, uh, I wore my older my, really costume. I kind of dressed up as uh, Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther. Okay. Yeah, yeah tried to look like him a little bit, so that was pretty cool. You didn't actually killmonger outfit.
1: You didn't actually scar your body like killmonger though,
2: right? No, no, no. That's taking that a lot of work.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, a,
2: that's. I don't a have, have that many kills. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that many kills. He had a lot, of, a lot of kills in that movie. That's true. That's true. All right. So, what's your favorite
1: Halloween memory then? If if you get, didn't get to do that, like I saw Monte Harrison hit in a, I think WWE outfit yesterday, which was really cool um but uh yeah. what's your favorite halloween memory going back a couple of years maybe when you were a kid or something like that
2: uh going back i really didn't celebrate halloween like that so i mean i just you know i you know remember in school uh, i guess you know getting all the candy and all that that was pretty pretty much the most part for me the best part for me is getting all the candy at school so
1: yeah no that that's still the big thing i think even going into an adult so will take that. Uh, well, yeah, let's, let's pivot to baseball. Uh, big thing coming up for you this week in the uh, Arizona Fall League Fall Stars game. You got named to the uh, West roster, which is particularly loaded in the outfield looking at it. There's yourself, there's Estevan Florial, Christian Pache, Buddy Reed, Luis Robert, uh Kavon Biggio. Uh, what are you looking forward to most about playing in that game? And, and what does the participation mean to you at this point in your career?
2: Uh, it's just you know, it's a great opportunity again. Like like I said before, or earlier, coming being selected to play in the Arizona Fall League was a big you know opportunity for me. And then being able to play in the All Stars game is just you know even a great honor. Greater honor. It's gonna be fun you know, be able to play with a lot of the best guys and the best of the best. You know, so that's gonna be really fun to just play alongside some guys I'm probably going to see uh, within the next year or so in the big league. so that's, that's going to be a lot
1: of fun. How do you approach a game like that where, you know, it is, uh, it's kind of a showcase. <clears throat> it's a chance to show off your tools, you, your readiness, all of that alongside some of those names, like I mentioned earlier, going against some of the top pitchers in a league that is known for uh, be, showcasing obviously some of the top talent in the game right now. Uh, how do you approach it? Is it just a, a fun game, a, a, like kind of, dessert off to the side, or does it take a little bit more of importance uh, for you?
2: Uh, it's treated like every game. I mean, every game I go in there confident and, and really perform. I mean, it might be a little bit more serious than every other game. There's there's money on the line. The, the winning team, every player gets $500 cash. So that might, you know, change a little bit of the seriousness the <laughs> For a normal also I game, but, but yeah, but just other than that, I mean I'm just going in there ready to perform and ready to compete at the highest level.
1: That's one way to incentivize it for sure. All right, so let's talk about the AFL as the whole. Uh you know what did the Royals talk to you about your goal in, in sending you here? Because you know, you're still pretty young, even for the AFL. You're only turned 20 in June. Uh, this was, you're coming off your second full season you know, after being a third-round pick in 2016. Uh, they kind of accelerated your, your timeline a little bit by sending you here. What kind of conversations did you have with the Royals about their expectations for the Fall League and what you should expect as a player going there?
2: I uh, just Really what what our plan was is just to keep continuing what I've been doing throughout the season and uh, get those extra at-bats to see some challenge me and see some better pitching, see some better competition, you know, get me ready for the next level moving forward and, you know, hopefully, you know, seeing this competition here and it will prepare me to get ready for for the big leagues.
1: What's been the standout moment so far for you of the Fall League? It, either seeing, you know, some prospect, some other name that you had always wanted to see or going up against a certain pitcher that you had always wanted to kind of measure yourself up against or, um, you know, just fe- featuring in a really loaded lineup maybe one day. Uh, what's been the standout moment so far in your couple weeks down there?
2: Um, I Honestly, everybody is pretty good, but... Uh... Just being able to battle, I think uh, a couple of games ago I faced Forest Whitley a couple of times and able to battle with him and you know have have a couple of good good at bats for a couple of good at bats together. But um also hitting hitting alongside or in front of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like that's pretty cool know uh, you know be a table setter for him and have him join me in. So that's that's been pretty fun too. That sounds
1: like pretty much the full folly experience given where the headlines have gone so far. What did you notice about the way for Whitley sure. was pitching you?
2: Uh, he, he threw a lot of uh a lot of off speed pitches for me, I think, and uh he was just able to spot up for, for the most part. I mean, I battled him pretty pretty good, got him to full count a couple times and uh he just you know, he was he was throwing all his pitches for strikes and uh, able to locate really really well, so that was something that, that I thought really stood out for me. Or I could tell how he's going to be a future big leaguer.
1: Okay, let's go back to the regular season. You mentioned the Royals sent you here to get a couple more at-bats to kind of you know build on what you did during the season. And you got off to a really strong start this year at Class A Advanced Wilmington. Uh, you were eventually named a Carolina League midseason all-star, <coughs> which is really neat. Uh, 71 games there with the Blue Rocks. You hit 270 with a 402 OBP, uh, 14 steals, and an 808. OPS. Building on what you had done the previous year at Class A Lexington, uh, what were the points of emphasis for you coming into this year, uh, and allowed you to build what looked like kind of a stronger offensive foundation at least to start the year with Wilmington?
2: I uh, was just coming into the season. I was trying to focus on putting the ball in play more and uh, cutting down my strikeouts. Just you know, being able to use my speed and let that work for me. So. Every time I put the ball in play, make something happen in the field and, you know, give myself a chance to get on base.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the strikeouts because that was something I wanted to bring up. At Lexington in 2017, you struck out 171 times. This year between Wilmington and AA Northwest Arkansas, you brought that down to 103. uh, But the power also came down. You hit 17 homers at Lexington, only six this year. Uh, Was that part of the shift in strategy was – you know, just making more contact and allowing, you know, the power to kind of back up a little bit? Or how did you change your approach to make as much contact as you did this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when, when you cut down on the strikeouts, you know, you do change a little bit of approach. It's more of a like, two-strike approach they cut down a little bit, you know. Also, playing at Wilmington, the Carolina league, that's a, you know, that's a tough league to hit home runs in and right. show power. but. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, from my understanding, I'd rather, you know, get on base and, and uh, drive runs in and uh, cut down my strikeouts and, you know, hit a, hit a whole bunch of home runs and strike out a lot. I feel like I'm helping the team more by getting on base and, like I said before, using my speed to to, um, to help the team out the best in that aspect. Um, you know, as I get older, as I get stronger, I keep developing. I'm going to – the home runs are going to come. That's not something I'm really worried about. Just just worry about, like I said, being consistent and hitting, hitting the ball in play, putting the play hard, and, and getting on base and helping the team out.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned your, your speed a couple times there. Uh, one thing that stood out to me as well this year is your efficiency on the base paths. Uh, in 2017, you stole 20 bases, but you were also caught <clears throat> stealing 18 times. This year you had 16 stolen bases and were only caught five times. Uh, What do you attribute that to? I mean, how were you able to be that much more efficient uh, in stealing bases? Because, you know, the scouting reports, everything you read, everything you see about the way you play on the field, you have above average to plus speed. So it's definitely there. Um, But how are you able to, you know, evade the caught stealings much better this year?
2: Yeah, just um, as I'm growing up, as a base runner, I'm uh, learning what counts to run in and, you know, what, what, when I can run on a pitcher that, that uh, is throwing a lot of off speed and this and certain counter or if he's really slow to the play, just really nitpicking at those little details for, from the pitcher and, and situations, things like that. So, you know, also, I think I'm getting, getting a little faster. I'm, I'm uh, working on my speed every off season just working on little
1: things to help me on the base baseline. Uh, you mentioned your time in North Arkansas kind of briefly here, but you got 29 games there. Uh, numbers came down a little bit, you know, kind of to be expected. Like I said, you were only 20 and you got a bump to double A, and Texas League can be kind of tough sometimes for hitters. Um, but what did you take away from your, your time at double A? I mean, that's a, a point where guys usually say they can start to taste the major leagues. You're only two spots away, and people have been called up straight from double-A to the majors before. Uh, what was your experience like with Northwest Arkansas, and what do you carry from that going into the offseason, going into the fall league, and you know, going into
2: 2019? Uh, being in double-A in, in Northwest Arkansas, I felt like I was just cheated uh, like a big leaguer. You know, I felt like I could just, like you said, just smell the, the big teams right around the corner. And, uh, and seeing everybody uh, that I'm playing against and playing with, that everybody in that league is, you know, right there, just knocking on the door, waiting for an opportunity. Uh, they got gotten really excited. And, uh, you know, just taking that into the, to the fall league and in, into the offseason, uh, I can see that, I'm, you know, I'm really close and that I just need to keep working, keep pushing so I can, you know, eventually reach my goal, my ultimate goal of making it to the big leagues.
1: And what was something that was eye-opening about your time at double at that kind of gave you something specific to work on, whether it was in the fall league or the off-season?
2: offseason? Well, so seeing a couple of pitchers, a couple of position players that played against in and then see them on TV in the big league for not even a week later, <laughs> that's, that's pretty eye-opening to me. That kind of, like I said before, it shows me that everybody's just knocking on the door waiting on an opportunity. Right. So, Do you
1: it, have any for, to
2: see that? That's
1: you have any names offhand that uh
2: that happened with? I don't have a name right now, but I see them here in the following week, too. Uh, there's a right handed pitcher for the San Diego Padres, I forgot his name. I just we just faced him the other day, and um, there's another left handed pitcher for the Astros that was in the big leagues this year as well. But um, there, oh, C.D. Pelham. Left-handed pitcher for the Rangers. Yep. Face him, and he's he was in the big league as well. So and he's actually on our team here in the Arizona Fall League. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, very neat. Um, and yeah. uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well is for anybody who didn't know, when you went into the draft in the third round in 2016, um, that some people, you know, according to reports, were looking at you as a pitcher. Uh, you know, things have obviously worked out pretty well as a position player so far, but. We're in the age now of Shohei Otani and Brendan McKay uh, being two-way players potentially uh, going into the future. Maybe there's a shift in the game there. Uh, if you could redo it, would you have tried to be a two-way player? Do you feel like you could cut it that way?
2: Well, I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still talking to our pitching coordinator trying to let the pitch. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I'm happy with my decision and uh, you know, like I said, like you just said, uh, hitting's working out so far so I can, I'm trying to continue that and whatever the rules be, they need to hit it, they need to pitch it, I'm, I'm ready both ways. <laughs> just, just let me know.
1: There you go. Well, yeah, we should mention that because of your arm being so good, you, you've gotten 29 outfield assists so far in your career, which is Really, really good, and uh, just phenomenal. Uh, have you gotten a chance to throw in front of a radar gun anytime soon, or the Royals not even letting you get near that?
2: No, that's as long as I'm hitting the cut, you know, getting getting the ball down. They're, they're happy; they're they're not worried about velocity or not letting you get down, right. or get on behind the radar gun.
1: So fair enough, fair enough. All right, so we'll, we'll leave you with this one. Um, you know, obviously, you still have a good amount of the fall league season to play here, uh, you know, with the fall stars game coming up. Uh, But as you start looking at the off season and start looking more towards next season, 2019, probably going to be back in the Texas league at double a. What would an ideal 2019 season look like for you?
2: Uh, An ideal 2019 season. That was, that would be just to continue, like I say, continue progressing and get better and, and I can't say where I'm gonna end up, but I I would like, like I said, to improve my numbers. If not, if not improve them at least, you know, stay stay around the same. So that means that I did good. If you if you move up a level and do the same thing you did in the level before, I feel like you you got better because as you move up, the players get better as well. So that, and you're winning and not at that point. So if I if I can do that, then yeah, I think that would be a good season for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and just one more that now that I thought about it. Uh, looking at kind of the bigger picture here with the Royals system uh, being what it is now, I feel like it, it's kind of coming on, on the up and up, adding Brady Singer uh, last year in the draft. Uh, Sui Matias had a really good, powerful year last year. Jackson Cowers is another big name they added in the draft. Uh, MJ Melendez, Nick Prado having good seasons. Nicky Lopez, another strong prospect. Where do you feel like the status of the Royals system is now? Compared to where it was when you were first drafted two and a half years ago.
2: Oh, I I know, and I very um, really sh- strongly believe that that we're going to be good again. That we're going to go back to the World Series. I mean, you, you just named all the all the guys that I that I believe as well are going to get us there, and they're going to help us get back to the World Series. And I know in Dayton and uh, everybody in the Royals organization are, are believing it as well. So. We're going to be back here soon, and I can't wait to see it happen.
1: Well, on that optimistic note, we'll, we'll let you go, Khalil. Thanks so much for joining us. Good luck on Saturday in the Fall Stars game and, and everything that is still to come your way in the Arizona Fall League heading into the off season. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: No problem. Thank you.
1: We're joined as we always are each week when we actually have a show, uh, which we do this week. Uh, we are joined now by Benjamin Hill. Ben, how are you? Welcome into the show.
3: Doing well, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear we have a show. Yeah, this I know, week.
1: right? I'm, I'm sorry. We, I was gone last week, as, as I said earlier. Tyler's gone this week, uh, so it's just me and you doing this. Um, but we do have a lot to talk about because it has been a while since we had the show. Did you miss me? Uh, I, of course, I missed you. I, w- I was in the middle of Scotland on an island in the middle of the uh, North Atlantic, and I thought, I wish Ben was here right now. Thank you. That's all I wanted. Um, So while I was gone, uh, we got a a new MILB identity in the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Uh, You got to write this story, as you do so often, with identities and brand-new logos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So what stood out to, to you about this? This team isn't coming into fruition until 2020, right?
3: Right, so, yeah, so let's give a little background on this. Um, this franchise, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, um, might not give the average fan uh, an awareness of exactly uh, where they're playing. Right. Um, they're playing in Madison, Alabama, which still might not give you a great <laughs> indication of where they're playing, but uh, Madison is the greater Huntsville area, which of course fielded the team AT in the Southern League for decades uh, in the form of the Huntsville Stars. And uh, it was always agreed that the market was decent, but the stadium they were playing in uh, just wasn't really cutting it. (laughs) Joe Davis Stadium, and the Stars went to Biloxi. So now we have the Rocket City Trash Pandas who are going to replace the Mobile Bay Bears, uh, the AA Southern League affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And, um, you know, usually when we're talking about rebrandings and and new team names and new identities, we're talking about it for the upcoming season. You know, here we are in late October 20 well November when the podcast Uh, in November of 2018 you know you'd think we'd be talking about an entity that's going to debut in 2019 Uh, I think maybe when this all first started that was the original plan which is maybe why the timeline is where it is but the ballpark won't be ready till 2020 so we have the Mobile Bay Bears playing their final season in 2019 while we simultaneously have the unveiling of the Rocket City trash pandas who will take their place in Madison Alabama the greater Huntsville area in 2020. I hope that gets everyone up to speed as as well as we can. Everybody's got
1: Excel sheets up right now that they're moving around and copying and pasting and all that
3: kind of stuff. I expect nothing less from our listeners. Yeah, of course. And uh, so it's the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Why Rocket City? Because Huntsville um, is an engineering and technology hub, uh, been home to uh, NASA for decades, uh, played a major role in the uh, the American Space Program. Uh, There's a technology park that's one of the biggest in the country uh, in Huntsville. Did I ever tell you my fun fact about Huntsville? You did not. I went to space camp in Huntsville. Well there you go. You went to space camp in Rocket Rocket City. City. Yeah Yeah. right
1: exactly. They had a giant uh, version of the um, of the shuttle program there just like on campus and it was really cool. So that was my one time in Alabama and it was for something tied to rockets. So there you go.
3: But you probably did not hear or even think of the term trash pandas when I you were did not, uh, no. a youth at space camp. But it is, um, Rocket City is a reference again to uh, the, the prevalence of the aerospace industry, the defense industry, uh, NASA in Huntsville. So there's a lot of engineers there. There's a lot of literal rocket scientists. And then you have trash pandas, which is a slang term for a raccoon. It's been a kind of internet popular term for a number of years that then achieved uh, greater notoriety because of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in which the character Rocket Raccoon was referred to as a a trash panda in the movie. So I think that moved the needle a little bit. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know.
1: Um, I saw that movie, and I don't remember that line, but still. I I know the phrase trash panda just from the overall cultural...
3: Yeah, so this is not a panda. It's a trash panda. There's no pandas in this logo. It's a raccoon. And... um, you know, it's funny, I talked to Jason Klein of Brandios the morning of the unveiling to get some quotes for the story, and uh, you know, he was saying something interesting in that, you know, Brandios has been doing this a long time, and they are often the company behind the most uh, irreverent attention-getting names, you know, the Jumbo Shrimp and the Rubber Ducks and so many others. Um, and he was saying, you know, they've been doing it long enough that finally they're kind of moving away from the template of announce the name, deal with the backlash, the petitions, the people saying fire your marketing director and all that, that Trash Pandas was pretty much embraced from the start. It did win the Name the Team voting, and I was talking to uh, Ralph Nelson, one of the, um, the managing partner in the ownership group that's moving the team to uh, Madison, and he was saying, you know, when we looked at the demographics in the voting for Name the Team, you know, any way you sliced it, Trash Pandas was number one. Granted, they didn't give any traditional options for the fans to vote for, but at the same time, I do think uh, we are seeing an awareness now of what minor league baseball is, where the backlash is not the same as it used to be. Mm. I found there to be a remarkable little backlash, uh, even locally speaking, for a team that's calling itself the Trash, the trash right. and for all the engineering Uh, and high-tech jobs that are in in that area, it's also Alabama. It's also the Bible Belt, and you'd think there'd be a lot of people, and I'm sure there are, who are just like, this is an outrage. Why aren't we called the stars again or the missiles or something like that? (laughs) Um, So it is interesting, but it's kind of par for the course. So we have this primary logo of a raccoon in a garbage can, and uh, you know he's a raccoon uh, that is very resourceful and uh, very technically and scientifically inclined because he's a Rocket City raccoon. And... um, he has decided he wants to go to space, as raccoons are want to do. Of course, yeah. And so he, with using nothing more than a trash can, using a lid for a helmet, uh, making a calculator or control panel, he has made it to space. And this, of course, Sam, shows the resourcefulness and skill of North Alabamans.
1: North Alabamans, sure. I don't know about raccoons themselves. I've seen some of them in the park by my house they there. Scurrilous creatures.
3: Yeah, some of them are just disease-ridden mongrels. But not this <laughs> Literal trash <one. laughs> man. Yeah, not this one. He, he, he wanted to get to space. And then, you know, this logo tells a riveting story. Sam, um, the, the raccoon gets to space, and we have one of the other logos of him planting his flag on an unknown planet after yeah. he got to space. So this is really telling a tale. It's not just a bunch of logos. It is telling the tale of this raccoon who decided to get to space and made it. So we have him in the journey, and we have him... At the conclusion of said journey uh looking very triumphant the the rocket city trash pandas yeah and
1: kind of extending off of that being because it is so much of an aerospace theme here it's it's not leaning into the raccoon in which you would think the primary colors would just be black and white something like that i know the hudson valley renegades uh they're mascot is, is a raccoon as well.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, Hudson Valley. Your, your, your raccoon didn't go into space. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it did anything particularly notable. I mean, no disrespect. Right. Although they had the raccoon logo first, which they, of course, pointed out on Twitter. Uh, yeah, they
1: pointed that out very quickly. Um, but it isn't just black and white color scheme here. It's a red, white, and blue color scheme. Uh, in one of these logos, the alternate logos, uh, the raccoon is wearing a blue spacesuit uh, in front of the flag. Like you said, he's planting it where she is planting it. Uh, on an unknown planet. Uh, there's other rockets involved in here, and I really like these rocket logos. I, I will say that. Uh, the rocket is designed to look like an R. The R is kind of folded in on itself to look like a rocket going around to space. It's got kind of like a halo going around it. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, and the halo, put... the halo is a C. See, I missed that. I was wondering why it didn't complete itself there. For... So yeah. this is kind of like a new-age Milwaukee Brewers. You have to look for the M and the B. In the glove, here you have to look for the R and the C in the rocket. Um, so there's a lot there are going on here. It's not just leaning into the raccoon, they're trying to work in that rocket part of it as well.
3: Right, and they're telling a story, and now their um, challenge as a franchise is to keep up this momentum um, for you know, a year. For a whole year <laughs> while also managing what will certainly be a painful. Uh, Season in Mobile as a lame duck franchise. Uh, So there's dual purposes here. So it's the same ownership group, same front office staff, all that. I don't know about the front office, but the ownership group, Ball Corps, bought the team. They now own the Mobile Bay Bears. And uh, so they're going to be running the Bay Bears during their 2019 uh, lame duck season while also preparing for 2020 new era in Rocket City in a new ballpark in Madison, Alabama.
1: Cool, and that's just going to be the start, essentially, of a run we're going to go on here in the next couple weeks with new identities coming out as well. Logo Vember. Logo Vember, Uh, which usually happens because there's the holiday push coming up. You want to push that new merchandise. It's it's there's no better time to sell it in the off season than before the holidays. Uh, So, what other teams we got coming up here in the next couple weeks?
3: Well, you know, it was postponed. It was supposed to happen last month, but with Hurricane Florence rolling in and whatnot, um, the Fayetteville team, um, which was uh played in Bowie's creek and that was always a temporary arrangement the last two years they're moving to fayetteville and um they were going to unveil their team name on sunday november 4th so keep an eye out for that mm-hmm. uh the fayetteville franchise and of course i'll have a story on that and then um about a week and a half later we'll have amarillo and uh yeah we've talked about them before right um and, uh, Taking the
1: place of San Antonio in the the Texas League, San Antonio becoming a Triple A team, Colorado Springs becoming a rookie level
3: team. Right, and then uh, Colorado Springs has not unveiled the identity yet of what the, they're going to be rookie uh, level, and uh, that'll be coming up a little bit later, as well as Las Vegas, who are moving into a new stadium and uh, renaming themselves in conjunction with the move, so they will no longer be the Fifty One. So we've got a lot to look forward to. We got a. And we have a couple of rebrandings of uh, not new team names necessarily, but uh, new, logo, uh, new logos to look for in the, mm-hmm. in the coming future as well. Yeah, so that,
1: that's all that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And, and, you know, like I said, before holidays, before that kind of push, uh, that's stuff you can kind of look out for. Uh, moving over to something I think we talked about before we went on break uh, was your series called Ben's Best. Every, as everybody knows, now you've been to every minor league stadium currently in use. Uh, and as part of that, you start to put together some lists of your favorite things, breaking it down by level: AAA, AA, Class A, Advanced, Class A, Full Season, uh, Short Season, and then Rookie level. Uh, so you started this out with stadiums. I think we kind of touched on that before we left, uh, but kind of br- go through this quickly for us ab- about what you thought were your favorite stadiums level by level.
3: Yeah, two weeks ago uh, I started this series, and there's going to be several more. Um, it seemed like a natural thing to do in the wake of, as you said, having been everywhere and uh, – been everywhere, sorry. And, um, you know, uh, these stories always, you know, cause me to pull my hair out because it's so hard to choose, and I'm sensitive, as we've mentioned many times on this <laughs> podcast. On uh, this podcast and elsewhere. Yeah, and elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just one of my uh, – one of my characteristics uh, but you know I got through it and uh, level by level I, uh, with the ballparks and uh, I, you will know, go through it real quick uh, without commentary but I'll just mention the name so if you're listening to this you can think oh I agree or, or more likely like what is he going on about and, and I found it wasn't until I wrote this article I realized how much of a predilection I have for uh, older ballparks. Uh, for AAA I picked El Paso opened in 2014 Southwest University Field home of the Chihuahuas that's not a newer ballpark but then going down from there uh double a uh, reading fight and fills first energy stadium opened in 1951 uh in class a advanced uh Picked Jackie Robinson Ballpark, home of the Daytona Tortugas, opened in 1914. I mean, it's changed a lot, but it's been <laughs> it's there nice That's in right. some form. Uh, in Class A, McCormick Field, home of the Asheville Taurus, opened in 1924. Uh, in short season, uh, Nat Bailey Stadium, home of the Vancouver Canadians, opened in 1951. And in uh, the Appalachian League, I picked Bowen Field, home of the Bluefield Blue Jays, which opened in 1939. So outside of El Paso in 2014, uh, we are talking uh, all stadiums that opened in 1951 or earlier, so uh, I got old man sensibilities, what can I say? Yeah,
1: that was my favorite thing about this, is just learning about what you look for in a ballpark, because you could have gone you know any direction on organizing this. It could have been just your top five parks, and the minors, it could have been whatever, uh, but doing it level by level, just seeing how there were still some themes that struck through there. Uh, even though each of these stadiums are built for different leagues, bif- different scenarios, different players, all of that, but it was still the older stadiums you seem to prefer. Yeah,
3: and that's why I went level by level because um, to to make rankings when you're comparing across the levels just seems a little unfair because there's so much variation in the uh, you know the size of the facility and uh, you know the market it's catering to and whatnot, uh, but yeah, I, I do like the old stuff. I'm an old man at heart, and actually getting kind of close to an old man in reality. Too. <laughs> uh, and then the next week, I did food, and uh, you know, as regular listeners of this podcast and who read my stuff are aware, I have celiac disease, so this was a tough one. I was like, should I pick the ones that I've actually been able to eat? And I'm like, eh, that alienates too many people. Although I do feel I heard some from some celiac disease advocates on Twitter saying like. Hey, can you, you know, highlight what you're able to eat? Can you highlight what options we have? Fair point, and something I need to do, Uh, absolutely. But I went through just uh, items that kind of spoke to a sense of place that I either may or may not have eaten, depending on uh, when I visited. But, you know, I always had the designated eaters at every ballpark who uh, consume the food that my gluten-free diet prohibits. And again, I'll just go down... uh, you know very quickly through this, and you can think about uh, what you agree and disagree with, but in AAA, the Memphis Redbirds Rendezvous Barbecue Nachos is what I went with. In A, it was the... Uh, what did I go with in A? Oh, the uh, Rudy's Loaded Baked Potato, uh, home of the Frisco Rough Riders, topped with brisket, uh, sour cream, uh, cheese. You, you like that one, Sam? I do like that one. Mm-hmm. I had many baked potatoes on my trip to Scotland, but none of them had Loaded brisket, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that thing you pick that thing up and it weighs uh, like uh, it's like a bowling ball, and then I'm sure it weighs on your stomach as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's ballpark food. Um, class A advanced, I'm not sure if they're selling it anymore, they were in 2017 when I visited. But the Wilmington Blue Rock Sweeney Dog, which is the glazed donut bun with a hot dog, uh, bacon, and raspberry jam, <laughs> you can't even see the hot dog anymore in this picture. No, it's it is
1: buried under bacon and sweetness in the glazed donut, and then the
3: jam, like you said, which. I think throws it over the top a little bit. It is over the top, but, you know, and if you recall when that one was announced, it was, like, a true viral sensation. Um, It got so much attention all over the place. Class A, I just went for something totally memorable, the claw lossal hickory, which is basically, like, everything they sell at the concession stand in one plate. You know, pulled pork sandwich, burger... Uh, hot dog, onion rings, corn dog, uh, jalapeno poppers, and of course they have that contest where if you can eat it in the span of six hours, which could be anywhere between 10 minutes and infinity, yeah. uh, you know, you get it for free and you get your name on the wall of fame. Uh, my designated eater when I visited got within bites of finishing and then had a reversal of fortune. What was the last thing they had left? It was just kind of like a assemblage of... Oh yeah, you know, a, letter, mishmash or- a mishmash. A mishmash. Um, but Alex Ward, shout out to him. He did a great job. Uh, in Class A short season, uh, they don't do it every day, but uh, during Sunday home games and, of course, when they suit up as the steamed crabs, uh, the Aberdeen Ironbirds have st- uh, steamed crab feasts at the ballpark. That's one I can actually eat, and it's pretty phenomenal to think about going to a game, having a beer, if you can have one. I can't. Uh, everyone should feel bad for me. But uh, yeah. um, And, and, and just watching a baseball game and uh, using a team logo mallet to uh, – enjoy a supremely messy crab feast and those things are of course steamed uh, with an Old Bay seasoning and it just is uh, by the time they get out of the steamer it's this uh, sludgy Old Bay mess over everything. And I mean, you brought these home with you afterwards right? They gave, the team gave me some leftover crabs and I oh. took them all the way back to my home in Brooklyn after googling like how long they last. <laughs> and it seemed like it was going to be good and I, I had a crab feast by myself in my kitchen. Um, and then you know Rookie was tough and, and, and yeah, you, you, know, you kind of got around some stuff. on. This I kind of hedged on this but for rookie, I, I went with a team that is yet to play rookie ball, uh, Colorado Springs. So technically, I had this when they were a Triple A team, but it was during the last weekend of this season, and it was an item referencing one of the finalists in their name the team contest. Colorado Springs, one of the five finalists, is uh, the Rocky Mountain Oysters, which would be a pretty even by minor league baseball standards if they if they choose that name. That'll be a, a new level because yeah. the Rocky Mountain Oyster is. I mean, there's no other way to put it, deep-fried cattle testicles, Mm -hmm. and so that could be the team name. Regardless, they unveiled this burger on the last week of the season, last weekend of the season. My designated eater, uh, Zeke Perez, actually was able to have the first one, the Rocky Mountain Oyster Burger, and this is like a half-pound burger with bacon, and then on top of that are the titular Rocky Rocky Mountain Mountain Oysters oysters. uh, with a refreshing aioli on top I was gonna say the sauce <laughs> looks very good it,
1: for being what it is it does look delectable I'll say that yeah
3: so you can get on me for choosing a rookie level uh item for a team that is yet to play in rookie ball um I got mascots coming up tomorrow the same day that this podcast will air uh choosing some of my favorite mascots again should be very controversial I don't shy away from controversy uh you know I embrace it but uh talking about my favorite mascots is next in the series and coming up after that I think I'll do a a best views you know not just favorite ballparks but the ones that's offering the best views my favorite views Uh, I might do favorite ballpark characters you know just fans or longtime employees or what have you Uh, might just do quirks maybe that'll just be on the blog who knows but this will continue throughout November uh, as a way to keep looking back at the season meanwhile on the blog, believe it or not, I still have some road trip content uh, coming. I'm in the final throes of that. Uh, a Colorado Springs post went up today. I have one more from Colorado Springs and a couple from Grand Junction, and that will officially com- complete my uh, 2018 road trip content, which also officially completes uh, everything. I think in the future I'll do, <laughs> I'll, I'll do this in a different way, but it was important for me to do it in this torturous, slow, kind of redundant way just so – Every single team is represented the way I've done it through the years, from 2010 to now. And uh, you know, once i am done that, which is uh, imminent, uh, then I will uh, think about ways to do things differently in the future. Uh, but for now, it's uh, finishing like I started, and uh, my off-season is just around the bend.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's that'll be like your own rebrand at that point. It, it
3: kind of is, yeah. I, I kind of do need a rebrand, a refresh, uh, a new identity, uh, a diet. Uh, exercise uh, healthier forms of living less drinking um, uh, I actually you know, I'll, I'll stop now but uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's that time yeah, it's a right.
1: time for reinvention right well that, that'll be a theme of the off season I think we're just going to end up r- wrapping the show here so thank you for joining us Ben
3: oh thank you man. Wow. I know yeah no you're never
1: around for the wrap we'll just wrap now just to make this kind of our own special little thing this week
3: yeah this is an honor well thank you for having me Sam I, I missed you when you were in Scotland and I uh, wish I could have been with you on those uh, rolling hillsides. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyler, we miss you. I, hope, I know you're having a great time and, uh, in Columbia. In Columbia. And uh, I'll take my own vacation one of these days. But, you know, until I'm done my work, duty calls.
1: All right. Well, that will wrap up the show this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week with a fuller show. Tyler will be back for everybody who misses Tyler, including ourselves. Uh, But we'll be back with more AFL news to talk about, uh, more interviews, more Ben, everything you guys like. So we'll talk to you guys then. Have a good week. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the show before the
3: show. Sam, you are sitting to my left.